Spotify is up. Level Up Nation, and welcome to the September 22nd edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news, brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco, you can call me John, and I am joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the gaming legend himself, the courtside king, Joey. What's up, buddy? John, I am doing all right. Still adjusting to this whole back in the office five days a week thing. It's not going too well uh, in Mm. terms of stamina. I'm feeling quite tired, quite uh, restful in no way at all. Um, So overall, just kind of struggling my way through the week. But John, new games, new gaming news, new tech, all of this seems to help kind of bring the excitement and keep me alive to get through the rest of the day. So here we are bringing that news to the masses. Joey, it's it's like you worked from home for like the better part of two years during a pandemic or something like some of us were not able to. I I mean, it's interesting. Uh, Like, to be honest, I didn't think the adjustment would be as hard as it has been. But I think that and all the metro issues around here has kind of added to it as well. So it is it has been a struggle. It's the yellow line right now, right? The yellow and blue line are both kind of (sighs) shut down for certain areas. Like everything south of Reagan is shut down. So there's delays all across the board because of it. Yeah, well. Uh, Nation, fun fact, uh, this is not the uh, DC Metro's an absolute disaster podcast, because we could <laughs> definitely have one of those by itself. There are probably a few out there already, to be honest. <laughs> there probably should be. Uh, if they're out there, um, I say give them a follow. It's probably worth listening to them complain. Um, but while you're following people, make sure you are following this show, Level Up Live, on social media as well. You can follow on Twitter and Facebook at Level Up Live. It is at LVLUP Live. And while you're on Twitter... Follow Joey at Courtside King, myself at Fiasco. If you're watching here live on Twitch, welcome. Uh, you can k- check out those handles right below our mugshots currently uh, that you're currently looking at on your screen. If you are listening to the podcast version of the show down the road, they're in the show notes for you below. And Nation, speaking of podcasts, while Twitch is the place to be, live Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time to catch the live show. Have no fear if you need to catch the podcast version of the show you can check it out on your podcatcher of choice check out level up podcast available on your favorite podcatcher today extra credit uh even if you're a podcast listener and you have a amazon prime account guess what that means you also have a twitch prime sub uh so head on over to twitch and uh send us that extra credit it's free it's part of your membership every month uh so definitely check that out if you've already used your prime sub on somebody else first off shame on you uh <laughs> two uh i believe what it's still sub uh september uh so uh get that discount and sub to otn and we and earn our eternal love for 30 days uh joey what is on tap for tonight's episode of level up live john it's a great question uh, so new tech is a big thing obviously nvidia making huge announcements this week about their new graphics cards We'll dive into that. We'll talk Logitech with their new cloud gaming handheld. We'll talk Xbox with their new DRM adjustments, uh, something we're kind of watching industry-wide right now. Then we're going to talk about games. We love games. We have some fun announcements. Uh, EA with that Iron Man game in development. We have Halo Infinite showing some of their Forge tools off. A lot of new games releasing this week as well, like Return to Monkey Island. Uh, Going on down, we have Twitch in the news. Uh, We'll be talking a bit about Twitch, where we are tonight. Uh, some of the drama going on between streamers there. Then we'll dive into a few other things before wrapping it up with some esports news where we talk Valorant partners because a lot of big organizations were left out of that, but a lot included as well. We have CDL in the news with their new major locations announced for the 2023 season and much more. How are we going to do this in like an hour and a half? I, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. I have to keep it chugging. We'll have to keep it chugging along. Enjoy the one thing that can help us chugging. Speaking of chugging, of course, is the drink of choice. 
I have a feeling we just got a quick little preview there on oh, screen yeah. of what you are chugging. Joey, how about you go ahead and let the nation know what you're sipping on for tonight's episode? John, I'm trying to stay awake and my throat is a little scratchy, so we are going to stay hydrated with some water tonight, trying to make our way through tonight's show. Very nice, Joey. Um, not quite water. Not quite as bad as some other things we've had. It's actually just uh, Canada Dry Ginger Ale tonight for me. Oh, I like uh, that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's. I like it. I like it. A little it's, ginger uh, spice. Yeah, we'll, 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 we're going to switch it up. We're going to switch it up a little bit, Joey. But what we're not switching up is what we are starting with here on Level Up. But, of course, it's our first segment of Gaming Esports News. And, of course, Gaming Esports News is presented by GamerBytes, bite-sized gaming and esports news delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today for our next release that comes out Monday mornings. Yes, you are hearing that correctly. Monday mornings. We did switch it up due to overwhelmingly positive feedback that we got from our subscribers. So we have moved it from Friday mornings to Monday mornings because, Joey, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, nothing <laughs> sets my mood for the week better than opening up a fresh gamer bite Monday morning. Uh, it's it's actually really really cool, uh, you know, and, and gets my gets my blood going. It's like yes, more gaming and esports news to start my week. Kind of recapping what happened the week before. So super excited there, Joy. Let's go ahead and on gaming and esports news. Let's go. Absolutely good, sir. On that gamer bite topic, though, I agree. I mean, it's just a nice way to even though we're the ones writing the articles, like reading each other's articles, getting that like refresher. <laughs> Like what happened this past week? What's coming out this week? Sometimes I forget the new games that are coming out. So that's like a nice refresher as well, taking a look at that. Uh, absolutely love it. Again, John mentioned where to subscribe. Uh, that is bit.ly forward slash GamerBytes. Sign up once again. So check that out if you have not already. With that being said, into the podcast, we have lots to touch on tonight. NVIDIA is going to be first in the news. They have revealed their next graphics cards. John, as always, I'm going to let you break down some of this tech. Uh, I mean, they have all different things in here. We have Lovelace seems to be a big thing that they like to touch on as far as streaming multiprocessors, the shader execution, RSS, and much more. So what are your thoughts on these new processors and, of course, their price as well? First off, these are absolutely massive. These graphics cards are absurd. I'm sorry, we're talking graphics card or processors. I mean, pretty much everything NVIDIA dropped on us, their whole show really was big. It's really too much. Um, so I'm going to start with the graphics card real, real quick. The RTX 40 series, because that's essentially what they were teasing uh, for the past couple of weeks. Uh, Joey, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, the, the prices of graphics cards have gotten a little crazy. Uh, just like the size of graphics cards have gotten a little crazy. Um, I am scrolling through here real quick try to find an image I can show our Twitch guests of the ridiculousness that is these graphics cards uh let's see here yeah i don't think this really does it justice um so i'm gonna talk here real quick because i'm gonna pull up that one image that i posted uh on discord um actually joey if you can find that for me while i talk i would appreciate oh that. yeah absolutely you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I just uh, Joey, find out so it is. the the standard base graphics card for the RTX 40 series is going to take up roughly three and a half slots on your computer. What does that mean? It means it's going to take up three and a half of those little uh, slots that you can uh, pull on the backside of your tower uh, when you plug it into your motherboard. Uh, that's that's thick. That is very very thick, considering. Uh, for the last several generations, it's been roughly two slots. 
Uh, and that's kind of been industry standard. Um, mainly because anything bigger than that, you have a lot of card uh, uh, hanging that comes with it, uh, which can wear down uh, the components that connect it to your motherboard since it's literally hanging there and screwed in with not two, now three screws uh, to hold it in place. Uh, it, it's it's absolutely massive, Joey. And I mean, the the tech the the tech itself is amazing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, let me go ahead and swap this over here so people can see this. Look at this freaking behemoth! Thank you, Joey, for finding that for me. Um, that thing is literally the size of a newborn. Uh, <laughs> it is the size of roughly three and a half bricks that builders use to build a house. Um, it is half of a cinder block. Um, it, it, it's it's massive. It's massive, and the problem is the bigger these things get, the more power it takes, which means your power supply has to be strong enough to actually power this and the rest of your computer. Uh, it, it, it blows my mind. Uh, the increase in power and graphic support that the new 40 series will have it is, is roughly two to three times more powerful than last generation. So it's a decent step up. Uh, you know, we're talking uh, full ray tracing. Uh, we're talking, um, uh, you know, in, in increased performance with, uh, let me see here, going through all these freaking notes on here. Uh, the NVIDIA DLSS 3 uh, for frame rates using their new optical flow accelerator. That's going to be really cool. Uh, their remix uh, enables uh, mods to go along with their ray tracing, uh, which, again, it, it is pretty sweet if you buy into... I mean, th th now this is all the baseline product from NVIDIA. This is not what's going to come out from Asus or MSI or the third party. Well, not EVGA anymore, but... Uh, the the third party uh, suppliers of these graphics cards this is just solely the base model. So these numbers will change if you're looking at an MSI card or an ASUS card uh, or any third party distributor of these cards. Um, but nonetheless, th these are solid. Th these are good looking cards. They're a solid upgrade. Now, if you have a 30 series, honestly, I probably wouldn't upgrade. Uh, yes, it's an improvement, but that 30 series is still going to be able to run everything that's currently coming out on ultra high graphics max settings uh, for probably the next three, four years. Um, unless you have money that's burning holes in your pocket, there, there's really no need to to jump for the 40 series. Now, if you have a 10 series or a 20 series, you may want to look at possibly upgrading because it is a massive, massive upgrade over the 20 and the 10 series as well. Uh, Joey, let's talk price points here real quick. Uh, if I can find it on their horrific website, <laughs> as I keep scrolling. Yeah, they have down. lots of details. Um, oh, it's all the way at the bottom. It looks like. Of course, it's all the way at the bottom. Of course, they want to draw right. you in before you tell you what it's going to cost you. So, so Joey, what I'm going to do here, real quick, we're going to. Live, live editing on stream. I love this. This is great. There, kaboom! The 4080 is going to start at $899. You may be thinking to yourself, wow, that's a lot of money. Um, that's actually a lot less than what the 30 series was when it first launched, mainly because of the crypto market being an absolute... It's a family show. Don't, don't cuss, John. Don't cuss. Um, the, since the crypto market has crashed... Uh, you know, 
these prices have come down a little bit, which is kind of nice. Again, these are just the baseline. Obviously, again, third-party uh, versions of these cards are going to be a little bit higher. They're going to have better uh, improvement uh, when it comes to their uh, functionality and the different co uh, things that they'll have there. Uh, most likely better cooling because when I take a look at this, this terrifies me. Mm. One fan, box, not a lot of ventilation, not a lot of heat sink that's on the outside to distribute that heat. Uh, this kind of makes me a little nervous. Uh, so I will wait for like MSI or NASIS to come out with their stuff. But eight eight ninety nine for the forty eighty. The great news is the thirty series dropping in price. You can now get a thirty sixty for as low as three hundred and twenty nine dollars. That is a great economy card for the budget friendly uh, for the budget conscious gamer PC gamer out there. That is a solid price for the thirty sixty. Uh, the seventy is probably a couple hundred dollars more than that. Uh, the 80, probably closer to another, uh, probably double that is, is probably what you're going to find. That Obviously, that's probably going to be MSRP. Um, they're going to mark it up from there. It's almost a guarantee. Uh, but the 4080 series does look good. I am pretty stoked with, with what we've seen so far from that um, presentation. Uh, my biggest concern is the size of it, how it's going to fit in a lot of people's uh, computer cases, the power consumption. Uh, the 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 graphics card hang that's gonna inevitably be a part of it because it's just gonna be huge. Uh, it's it, honestly it they need to find a better way to make these a little bit smaller or keep with the two two and a half uh, PCI slot um, component with these with these graphics cards. But yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah, I mean, I feel like price wise they hit a pretty decent market. Like the high end is still very high priced. But overall, I feel like these have become reasonable. And I think the big drop from last generation is a huge plus, especially compared to what we've had with all the crypto going on. So with the 3060 being at 329, I think that might even be the biggest win so far. The fact that the prices in general are coming down with crypto kind of coming down as well. Uh, with that being said, John, it is massive. Similar to the PS5, uh, this one is going to have a tough time finding spots in cabinets. And in this case, your PC case. So that's definitely something to keep in mind if you do end up upgrading to this. It's not going to be as easy of a plug and play. You will maybe have to upgrade your case, might have to upgrade your power source as well, as John said. So there is quite a bit to go on here. But as far as performance goes, uh, John's kind of flashing some of the numbers for those here with us on Twitch. The performance is huge. I mean, they're showing giant jumps, almost two to three times the performance over many in many different games, up to four times the performance. It looks like in Cyberpunk 2077 is one of the examples they use here. So a lot of big performance jumps. Obviously, that's going to be a thing. If you're making a new generation of graphics cards, you're going to see a performance jump. But a four times performance jump is pretty darn big. Um, so on top of that, John, I think overall NVIDIA looking pretty good with what they're showing here. And their biggest competitor, AMD, will be making their announcement come November. Correct. Now, the biggest thing to, to take a look here is that is a 4% jump over the 3090 using the 4090. So going from high-end to high-end card, it's a four times jump. If you're just going... From uh, the 3090, which is the only thing they've really put on here, mm. uh, to a 4080, uh, 12 gig or 16 gig. Obviously, the 16 gig is going to have a little bit more power here. Uh, you're looking at close to a one and a half to two times improvement uh, over that top tier 3090 Ti. In uh, pretty much everything but Microsoft Flight Simulator. Microsoft Flight Simulator uh, was really interesting. Uh, really not a big difference between the 4080 12 and 16 gig and the 4090 when it comes to graphics power. Uh, you're looking at almost a solid two times better performance than the 3090 Ti. But again, 
that, that, that game alone in itself is is an anomaly when it comes to everything else out there, uh, just because of how graphically intense it is for for everything. And I think a lot um, of the weight is done in cloud too. Yeah. Like a lot of it runs off of Azure. Correct. That probably helps take some off the graphics card, I'd imagine. So uh, with everything else, though, I mean. Again, the, that big jump you're going to see is by going to that high-end graphics card. So if you have a spare $1,200, uh, then by all means, upgrade to the 4090. Uh, if not, uh, Black Friday is coming up here soon. You might be able to catch a deal. Probably not. Uh, wait a year. W- wait a year or two before you know the next one comes out. I mean, we, we saw the, the discounts that the 30 Series got uh, when the 40 was announced. I mean, you'll see that again. It's just a matter of time uh, when the next graphics card. But, yeah, I'm actually more excited for the AMD line coming out uh, because for the last several years, AMD, it feels like they've been in the back pocket of NVIDIA, like like almost a step ahead. Uh, so NVIDIA comes out and announces this. This looks great. AMD is going to announce their next line of, of, uh, of, of their graphics card. And I would be shocked if it didn't match, if not beat, in most areas nvidia's uh 40 series so uh that one's definitely one to keep an eye out for uh definitely if you're in the market for a graphics card definitely wait until amd drops their line too that way you can get the best bang for your bang for your buck and i think let's briefly talk about amd right they're the next big competitor when it comes to graphics cards they're going to announce stuff to do with rdna 3 when it comes to the november event hopefully some new graphics cards maybe some new processors will be shown Um, but like you said john they've kind of been that up-and-coming competitor they were the competitor that locked down deals with both Xbox or Microsoft, rather, for the Xbox with Sony for the PlayStation 5. They pretty much had a lock on the console market as of recently, mainly because they've been undercutting NVIDIA's prices. They're the affordable option. We've seen how hard it is to find PS5s on shelves already. AMD kind of offered a little bit more in that sense of we can pump cards out a little bit quicker, and NVIDIA wasn't quite able to match that as far as price and production. So AMD winning over the consoles was big, and now starting to win over more and more consumers with their prices as well. Uh, With that being said, with the expectations here for the November event, are you expecting them to undercut NVIDIA's prices again here, or are you thinking they're about to be on par uh, as they are starting to catch closer up to that gap? They are going to undercut the absolute crap out of NVIDIA. 100% 100% guaranteed. Um, you're going to be looking at close to two to $300 less. Um, th- that's what AMD does. AMD gives you the best bang for your buck. When you build a custom gaming PC, if you use the AMD products, that computer will be almost six to $800 less overall based upon your motherboard, your processor, your graphics card. Three major components, obviously, here. <laughs> for a gaming PC, you're going to save a lot more money going the AMD route. Now, you know, the thing is, is, is Intel, uh, I would argue, is like the Nike uh, of processors. And when you do that, you also get the Nike of motherboards. You get the, you know, you, and then obviously you think of NVIDIA and you think NVIDIA is the Nike of graphics cards. So if you want to go for name recognition, you want to go for someone who has, for, for companies who have been in the game and have done it well for decades, you're going to pay the price for it. You're going to pay the price for that quality. AMD, over the last 10 years, has made leaps and bounds in their research and development, and their products has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, they have found a way to challenge NVIDIA in everything that they do and Intel with their processors. I mean, AMD, honestly, uh, sh- it isn't really a second choice anymore. It's 1A and 1B. 
Uh, and it's very, very, very close. And I'm super excited to see the uh, Radian RX 700s, uh, 70 series come out. I think that's going to be fantastic. Um, I, th- their next uh, line of processors, are go- they're going away from the, uh, uh, um, what is it? Uh, 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 starts with an R. Uh, their product line for processors. Uh, RDNA 2, Radeon. No. I'm trying to think of other AMD buzzwords with R's. Um, Raytheon, maybe, would have been no. one. Uh, we're going to fade this out. Uh, AMD. I am. I, I apologize. I am drawing an absolute <laughs> blank right there. Uh, it is also known as the Ryzen chipset. Ryzen. Yeah, That's they're going cool. away from, from Ryzen as the name. So we're going to hear a new name uh, for these processors. Uh, I, I think it's going to be really cool. Um, we're already seeing price drops already coming out on their 6900 series. Uh, we're seeing uh, their top uh, tier card, the 6950 XT, has already received a price drop to under $1,000. Um, that was already competitively priced at $1,099 when it launched. Uh, in comparison to the top tier from NVIDIA in the 30 series, a 3090, uh, that was, I believe, $1,299. So that was almost a, a $200 price cut. Uh, from that, so I'm kind of expecting the same kind of price deals here for AMD once they have their um, uh, announcement as well. And I know we're praising AMD quite a bit here, but just a disclaimer, and correct me if I'm wrong, John. You and I are both running Intel processors and NVIDIA graphics cards, correct? Correct. Uh, we, we are both Intel. And we are both NVIDIA as well. So we're praising <laughs> AMD a lot. We really like what they're doing. We really like how they're continuing to trend the industry in a different direction. Um, but as of right now, we have not bought into the hype, but we'll see what the November event brings, and maybe we will then. Now, I will say this. The last four computers I built for friends and coworkers mm. have been AMD, mm. uh, mainly because, one, of, of budget restrictions. But uh, the big thing is, is they are a legit challenger to Intel and to NVIDIA. Um, it's it's not the same AMD company from ten from from fifteen twenty years ago. Um, if I was to build a brand new PC right now, Joey, there's a very good chance I would go AMD. Yeah, I like that a lot, and I definitely think I would consider it as well when we eventually do some upgrades here and there later down the line. <laughs> Next up, in terms of new tech, because the NVIDIA stuff wasn't enough, John. We needed more this week. We got a random announcement, and this is Logitech. They've revealed their cloud gaming handheld. Now, you're a big fan of Logitech peripherals. I believe, I, I don't think you're currently on one, but you used a Logitech mouse for quite a while. Uh, you had your Romer Gs on your keyboard over there as well. With that being said, Logitech kind of jumping into a different market here, going after that handheld audience that stuff like the Nintendo Switch, now the Steam Deck has really started to dig into and continue to build upon as we move forward with tech in the handheld market. Now, Logitech, it's going to be cloud gaming only versus the Steam Deck that's practically a PC in your hands and the Nintendo Switch uh, that we'll call a weaker console in your hands. It does have great titles, but the hardware not quite there, and that's why a lot of people are asking for an upgrade. This one in particular, it's not going to run anything natively. It's all going to be cloud. So you're looking at stuff that's going to be Wi-Fi heavy. It doesn't have 5G built in. Uh, There's a lot of critiques we have. I think overall design, and you did bring it up on stream here, I think the design looks nice. Yeah. um, They have the uh, offset uh, Joy-Cons. Are we allowed to say that? Is that trademarked by by, uh, uh, Disney, (laughs) uh, Nintendo? Um, Yeah. I mean, it is 
like a modified Switch layout is honestly what it looks like. Uh, and I think that's fine. Uh, you have bright, vibrant colors. It's a, it's a white console uh, with Logitech's neon green accent pieces here and there behind uh, the joysticks and the Logitech Gaming G button as well. Um, I think look-wise, Joey, I don't think we have an issue with how it looks. I mean, maybe the screen might be a little small, especially in comparison to like like a Switch. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, it, overall, it looks solid. It looks sturdy. And if there's anything we know from Logitech, their products last and, they, and they're built to survive. Yeah, I think the product looks good. I think a lot of the specs sound pretty nice from the limited specs that it comes with. Um, overall, it is going to offer a few other things. So it's not just cloud gaming, just to specify. Uh, a lot of people kind of keying in on that it will do things that an Android phone will do. There's going to be access to a lot of apps like that. Uh, stuff like Netflix will be available on there as well. Again, with that being said, though, the battery life is great and all these other features, but the biggest holdback for John and I is the fact that you're paying just $50 more than a Nintendo Switch and just $50 less than a Steam Deck for something that's super cloud gaming focused. Yeah. Um, and and look, I mean, if everything's going to be cloud-based like this, I mean, there's really no difference between this and a cell phone. Uh, it's it's mobile gaming on steroids, uh, which is great. Again, if you have that disposable income, if you're planning on getting yourself a 4090 RTX graphics card when it comes out, you're probably also looking to upgrade your mobile gaming uh, to, to a cloud-based Wi-Fi only uh, you know, Logitech G Cloud. And if that's what you want, that's great. But for more money than a Switch and just barely less uh, than the Steam Deck, I just, it, this really, it, it, the price point to me doesn't make sense. And it's really filling a market that I think isn't really needed to be filled because everything the Steam Deck can do, uh, uh, minus the Steam library and all the other fun stuff, is essentially available here. Like, it's, it's just cloud gaming. Like, it's, you know, the Steam Deck is like PC gaming on a mobile device, which is great. But this is just kind of like just a mobile phone. Uh, you have the Nintendo Switch, which you can buy games for, physical games, or you can download them digitally. They're games specifically made uh, for the Nintendo Switch. You can only get on the Nintendo Switch. This is just cloud gaming, essentially pulling mobile games is what it honestly feels like. And it's, I, I don't know, like, to me, it just doesn't, where it fits in the marketplace doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I feel like that's a great way of putting it, like, if I'm someone that's going to be cloud gaming, I most likely have a smartphone. And that's kind of what you're alluding to here. Like you're going to have a high-end Android phone or a high enough end Android phone or a high enough end iPhone. And you can pretty much play those games natively on that phone via cloud. Now you have touch controls as an option. And obviously this expands upon that. It gives controllers and it gives you those actual analog sticks, which is great. But at the same point, I can connect a PlayStation DualShock and Xbox controller to my phone as well, just through Bluetooth. So that's one option. Then I have my screen. It's a little bit separate. The controller's separate. Maybe it's not super comfortable, but there's other options as well. For, I think it's like 60 bucks, you can buy a Razer Kishi. For 100 bucks, you can get a Backbone One. Those are the little kind of, I mean, it's practically the Nintendo Switch attachment of phones. You just plug your phone into it. It uses battery power. And I think that's really going to be the biggest advantage here to this device with Logitech is the battery power is supposedly phenomenal. It has up to 830 hours of standby time. 
Obviously, that's going to be reduced as you're playing it, but you still should still get about 12 hours of cloud gaming when it's being played from the sound of things, which by battery standards, that's massive. That is awesome stuff. And it's mainly because it's not using the native hardware, it's using the cloud, so you're not really running too much on the actual device. Now, with that being said, when I'm playing cloud gaming, typically I'm on the go. I'm not sitting at, on my couch. I'm not playing on this super strong Wi-Fi. Uh, as I lag through the show later on, you'll notice mine is not strong enough to begin with. Um, but <laughs> I, I want to play on like the metro, or I want to play on the bus, or on a long car trip, or in the airport. And that's something where Wi-Fi is not going to be a strong available option. You're pretty much going off of data. So in order to really take advantage of this in those situations, I have to hotspot my phone via a mobile hotspot, and then I'm running up my data for my phone potentially. Or even if you have unlimited, it's going to be limited versus how much you can actually bring in data-wise at the same time. So that to me is the biggest holdback here, right? Like the price point, pay a little bit more, I get a Steam Deck that has native hardware that really doesn't have as many of these issues. Pay a little bit less, I'm going to be paying Nintendo 60 to $70 a game on decent hardware, but it's Nintendo and Nintendo does its thing. And it's sold so many Switches already that I think a lot of people will say, hey, let's pay $50 less during these holidays and end up pulling that in as opposed to this device. So like you said, John, I think you hit the nail on the head up front. It doesn't necessarily have a great place in the market at the current price point. I think the market is trending toward cloud gaming, but I don't think it's quite there yet to demand a device like this, especially at a price point so close to the Steam Deck and Switch. So I don't think I'll be pulling the trigger on this one. It looks nice. I'm sure it feels nice. It's getting really strong reviews. But again, these are from people who are getting free copies, not people paying $50 less than a Steam Deck or $50 yeah. more than a Switch. And I think the other thing to, to keep in mind here is they're literally promoting this as the uh, as designed primarily for Wi-Fi in-home couch gaming via the cloud. And, and you made a great point, Joey. When you want to play something like this, it's on the go. When I'm at home, I want to enjoy my 4K high-def TV. I want to play on my Xbox. I want to play on my computer. I don't want to play on a small screen when I can utilize 65 inches, when I can utilize three monitors with my graphics card. Uh, you know, I just I just don't understand where this is, is going to fit. Because in all honesty, Joey, if I'm in the market for something like this, I'm paying the extra 50 bucks and getting the Steam Deck, it, period, end of story. Uh, just everything you get with it, the fact that it connects to your Steam library also, uh, that is your best bang for your buck. Especially if you're a PC gamer and you already have a Steam library built up, it's great. If not, if you're not a PC gamer and you just want to play a game here and there, I can't really justify the extra 50 bucks to, to pay for this when I can just get a Switch and play the games I want. Granted, you're paying for the game still, um, but this you're probably paying for a subscription service. Uh, so it really comes down to what what works for you, but it just it's just a weird place in the market. It's super weird, and that's the other thing that people are going to argue, right? Like, so this was built in line with Microsoft and with Nvidia. So Nvidia GeForce Now and X Clouds X well X Cloud and Game Pass will all have full, full integration up front with this guy. With that being said, they've both mentioned they're working with Steam Deck as well. So if things are not already available on Steam Deck, they eventually will be too. So that kind of cuts into the potential market share of that one as well. Um, overall, again, looks nice, feels nice, sounds like it's working quite well, but in the end, the price point doesn't quite match where we want it to be. Next up, to keep us moving, because we spent quite a bit of time on hardware tech, this next one, uh, a little bit more on the software side of things, and just a brief hit here. Uh, Xbox has made significant positive changes in favor of gamers in the latest update to DRMs. 
DRMs, John, have been a huge issue. Uh, I mean, really overall throughout the gaming industry from Microsoft to Sony to Nintendo, the availability to play these games offline without licensing having to be checked. With that being said, we've started to see a few changes throughout the industry that we've reported on before. Uh, this one in particular, users were noticing that they could play Xbox One games offline now. Now, uh, I would say two console generations ago, this would have never been an issue. The N64, a few generations even before that, never had to check online. Online infrastructure wasn't even a thing back then when it came to gaming. So this has been something that's come into place the last couple of years where you have to put a disc in. The disc says, hey, you own this game by checking online, and then you can kind of play that game offline without any other boxes checked. Now this, uh, I haven't really read too much into the details, but overall it sounds like you can now play those games, you can put them in, and they will be able to be played offline. Or you, for some games, the newer stuff, you'll have to put it in once to verify that you do own that copy, and then from there after the download, you can play it offline. So again, I think there's a lot more work to be done in this area, but I'm glad to see steps are being taken. Yeah, it's definitely a step in the right direction. I mean, Joey, can you imagine if uh, the video game execs today were transported back to the early 90s with the N64. And like, what do you mean we can't connect to the internet to verify this copy of this game? This is, this is insane. I, yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, that would be life-changing. I, I mean, it's like, it, it, it just cracks me up because like that was the whole like video game rental market. Yes, yes, kids, the video games used to be rented as well at your local Blockbuster uh, go ahead and Google that because it's going to take a while to explain what the hell that is. Uh, but yes, you could rent video games. I mean, you could do it from Redbox also for a period of time. Uh, rent a video game and play it and beat it and then return it. And you don't have to pay full price. You just pay the rental version. Uh, that would have these developers and studios have a panic attack nowadays. Uh, they want everyone to pay full price. I mean, I get it. It makes sense. But at the same time, it's like, that's the whole reason why even GameStop's going out of business is because there's really no resale market anymore. And that's why they want to push you to buy the digital version. So you might get like a $10, $15 discount on a digital version because guess what you can't do? You can't take a digital version into GameStop and sell it. So, you know, there you go. It's, yeah, it's weird. Well, I mean, and that's the funny thing with the disc nowadays anyway. And I don't even know if half gamers really even realize this. The disc most of the time nowadays doesn't even have the full game on it anymore. Some have partial games. Some are literally just activation keys. You know, yeah. when you get new windows or you get new software or whatever, you put something in, it says, hey, you have the ability to download this and it lets you download it. Some of these discs are literally just that at this point. You're putting it in to get that license approved by whatever store, PlayStation, Xbox, and then from there you can kind of download it. So overall, it's one of those things that I feel like is going to continue to change over time. I'm glad we're seeing positive changes in this area from Xbox. Hopefully, it's something industry-wide we continue to see as more of a standard. Uh, and again, this is concerning Xbox One games. Hopefully, this eventually expands to Xbox Series S and X, as well as other stuff like PlayStation 5 and Nintendo Switch 2. Next up on the topic docket, John, we're just going to continue moving on. Uh, we can play a little bit of this on stream for those live with us here on Twitch. Halo Infinite's Forge mode looks insanely powerful. The main reason we're mentioning it, not just because I love me some Halo, but devs from across the industry have been complimenting its tool set as well. Uh, we've seen two different videos come out so far. The first one is more on map building. The second one is on scripting and bots. And I think the coolest thing about this is for young people who want to get into game design, this is about as hands-on as you can get. There's going to be stuff like Minecraft and Roblox where you can definitely do some cPanel stuff as well. 
But when it comes to the actual scripting of games, this is going to give the player so much power. John can script something where he throws a grenade and then a bunch of like fuel cell cannons drop from the sky. Uh, there's going to be a lot of possibility for game modes. People are going to be able to create their own interactive stories in a sense within different game maps. So I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on this, but I love the idea of putting more power into the player's hands. Now, you're also going to get people, and I kind of agree with this, where 343 has been releasing stuff very slowly, whether it be maps or game modes. This, in the community's hands, is going to allow the production to increase by quite a bit. Now, should 343 do their job and put stuff out? Yes, uh, they should make their own stuff as well. But I do love the idea of giving the community some power, maybe giving them a playlist that rotates the top five community maps each week or the top five community game modes or whatever it may be. Um, but in the end, I love the idea of this as someone who has kind of aspired to learn more about game design, and this is a free way to do it. Joey, but who's going to do it? Halo's a dead game. Hey, is it now? <laughs> uh, it has definitely <laughs> taken its hits, and I hope this will bring it back like we've seen some resurgences in the past, but uh, only time will tell on that one. I will definitely be trying this out. I will try to coax John into helping me try this out. I'm sure other community members like Tots and Tease fans will eventually try something like this out. Uh, the scripting or the map building, but I love the idea of the creativity this one will unlock for sure. Anything else to say on that, John, before we hit the skies with EA? Nope. You love to see it. Next up is EA Motive, John. They have an Iron Man game in development. I feel like just weeks ago we were talking about an Iron Man game being canceled in the industry. Now we do have another one being made. And, John, this is one I'm really, really, really hoping is made with the mechanics of flight we saw in Anthem. Again, Anthem kind of fell off. EA chose not to support it in the end. It was supposed to be a big live service game. It definitely fell short in that department. But one area it did not fly short in was the really flighting in general. I felt like the flighting, the movement in that game was extremely fluid and is something I really hope they borrow from Bioware and continue to build on with this Iron Man game. Joey, my only concern is if you're if you have the stream pulled up on one of your side monitors here, uh, or is the, is that uh, the uh, top left corner where those two <laughs> words are located? That's what terrifies me. Uh, and for our podcast listeners that can't see what I'm trying to say, uh, it's two words. Uh, one starts with an E. One starts with an A. Also known as Electronic Arts. I'm nervous. I'm terrified. I hope this game does not suck. Iron Man needs a standalone game. Iron Man is a fantastic Marvel character. Um, the amount of people that... Oh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Endgame. When Iron Man dies at the end of it, the amount of people that cried and still cry to this day over Tony Stark dying, uh, they, they need this game. They need this game, and I'm terrified EA is going to screw it up. So I think one thing in favor of them doing this well, and again, this is one person compared to a giant company that has... Uh, let's just say has made its poor decisions in the past. Uh, one of the big team leads on this is Oliver Prula, I believe is how it's pronounced, or Prula. Me and my French are not the greatest, as you can tell. Um, but overall, he's someone who built a lot of what we saw with Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Or rather, not built it hands-on, but was very involved with that game. Uh, overall, that game did quite well. I think it was like a mid-80 on Metacritic and Open Critic. Uh, the story was quite decent. It had some great branching paths throughout it. Overall, it ended in the same narrative most of the time, but it was one of those things where you could kind of take different routes to get there, which is always nice in games. The level design was phenomenal. Lots of diversity throughout. The combat mechanics were a little lacking in certain areas, but I feel like they improved over the course of the game. So with that in mind, again, we're talking one person versus a giant publisher and a bunch of other developers involved. 
I feel like bringing his experience from a successful title in Guardians of the Galaxy could be interesting to see how it translates over here. Now, the biggest issue with Guardians of the Galaxy for a lot of people up front was that the characters didn't look anything like the Disney movies and the Marvel movies we're getting nowadays. It was more like the comic adaptation. With that in mind, I'm wondering how people are going to feel if that's going to be a big turnoff for this one if they do go with the comic book adaptation up front because a lot of people just ignored Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxies altogether because of that. I'm hoping that's not the case here regardless of which edition they go with. So if they go comic, I would love to try this out. Again, for me, mechanics and story are going to matter a little bit more than the look of things. Uh, with that being said, I'm cautiously optimistic on this one. Yeah, I think Iron Man, like if you just look at the armor itself, it's going to be really hard to screw that up. Uh, but when Tony Stark's out of the armor, I mean, look, it doesn't have to be. Um, it doesn't have to be. Oh, the actor Robert Downey Jr. Uh, it doesn't have to be an identical version of him. Uh, like, or even the comic book style. Like, it just makes something in between to satisfy both people. Like, you literally have to throw a mustache on the guy. Is really all you have to do, um, or a goatee. Pardon me. Uh, so, like, I feel like that's a pretty easy compromise. But yeah, Joy. I mean, I was one of those people that I looked at Guardians of the uh, of the Galaxy's game, and I'm like, these guys look absolutely not like e even Rocket looked weird. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you got to make look. At the end of the day, comics are great. Don't get me wrong. Movies are what people remember. Movies are what people base, uh, you know, a, a large portion of the population base what these characters look like on. Because let's be real here, comics are not as popular as they once were. Uh, so, so the the small hardcore group of of comic nerds out there, they're gonna be fine either way because they also watch the movies and they're and they're they understand how how uh, Hollywood adapts characters. It's fine, uh, but the other way around, it doesn't really work because uh, it's like eight to one. It feels like. Uh, so you got to do something to make people make that connection between the video game and the movie. And that's where you start to draw people in. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. And again, it's one of those things that I hate that a game like Guardians of the Galaxy, which again, I thought was quite decent, ended up turning people away just because of that art style. And that's one of the things, right? Like games are going to give freedom. People can choose them for the story. People can choose them for the art style. Maybe people choose them because of the price. They like those $70 games because they feel a little bit more epic to them. Whatever the reason may be. For some reason, that was a turnoff, and I hope it isn't with this one as well. Next up, just want to mention some of the games releasing this week because this is a big milestone week for gaming. There is a ton coming out. Uh, to kick off the week, we saw Return to Monkey Island drop on Switch and PC. That has gotten huge critical praise, bringing in some really big numbers and reviews there. Deathloop finally getting its Xbox release. Not only that, but it's also on Game Pass, so Xbox Series X and S. Deathloop is now available to you users. Uh, I don't know if this one landed on Xbox One. I have to double check that. And then over on PC, it will be on Game Pass as well. So a big welcome to the Deathloop party for Xbox and Game Pass subscribers. Hard Space Shipbreaker also making its way. Another indie game that a lot of people have had their eye on. Definitely one to look out for. Uh, quite a few games releasing this week. I think there's about 20 or so in total. Those being some of the bigger ones to keep an eye on, though. Um, a few others to mention. Uh, T-Spans, if you're in chat, I can't think of that game that we've been excited to check out. Uh, for some reason, I'm just blanking on it. Um, but that one does come out this wow. week as well. I'll have to remember the title. Slime Rancher 2 drops this week. I don't think Tater Toss is in chat, but over in the OTN community, I guarantee he'll be checking that one out. That one will also be on Game Pass Day 1 for PC and console. So lots of good stuff from Indies to AAAs to check out this week. And again, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. October, you have a Plague Tale Requiem coming out. 
John's Gotham Knights is also making its way out and a number of other games. So it's just going to be a very big, busy game dropping year from here on out. And this is just the beginning of a lot of funness to come. And I just made up the word funness. And we're just going to roll with that. I was, about to, <laughs> I was about to call you out on that. I was like, funness? Okay. Yeah. I, we'll, I, we'll, I we'll get a grammar check where, on that. Where were you trying to go? Again, tired, guys. Very, very tiring week. Uh, and then ongoing, we have the Modern Warfare 2 beta that is now entered into week two. PlayStation gamers got week one all to themselves for three or four days. Now it is moving over and opening to PC players, both on Battle.net and Steam, as well as Xbox users over there. And PlayStation will continue for their second week. So pretty much everyone, minus the Switch, does get access nowadays. Uh, it's going to be a closed beta for people who either got beta codes or subscribe or not subscribed, uh, pre-ordered the game rather for the first two days. Then I believe Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, uh, I think it's those three days, they, it ends up being a completely open beta. So regardless of if you bought into the game early, regardless if you got a beta code, you'll be able to jump into the action this weekend. So definitely something to look forward to. If you're a Call of Duty player, if you're an FPS player, if you just want to check something new out, uh, it's definitely one to consider there. And there will be new maps and modes for the PlayStation players who played in week one. There will be new content for you to check out here in week two as well. T-SPAN says Beacon, Beacon Pines. Pines. That's the one. Yes, guys. Indie game is kind of like a dark story tale. Uh, I'm super excited for this game. It's going to be on Xbox and PC for Game Pass users as well. Uh, for those who are not on Game Pass, I think it is also on Steam on launch day. So definitely worth checking that out. It looks really cool. It has a unique artistic design to it. And from what I've heard, the story is quite decent as well. So definitely one to add to that list of indie games to consider checking out. Okay, John, streamer drama. We have to be careful what we say because we are streaming on Twitch. So we will be critical what? of Twitch, but we have to rein things in a little bit. Potentially, I don't know how deep we would go here. Uh, with that being said, after many requests, Twitch has finally banned gambling on their platform. Unfortunately, no OTN gambling streams ever made it on here to begin with. Uh, and they won't from now here on out because it is banned. John's going to pull the statement up as well. Uh, the biggest thing here, John, I think is that we see multiple parties, right? We have one set of streamers, and someone put it up. I think it was like a scene from Captain America Civil War, and they ended up putting like the different names of the streamers on both sides, kind of coming at each other. And that's the biggest thing, right? You have a number of high-name streamers that are very against the gambling stuff that was going on on Twitch. Uh, a lot of people got scammed because of it, and I could see that being one of the big reasons they are against it. On the other side, though, we did have a lot of streamers that kind of made their name on gambling or with if they didn't make their name on it, they were definitely increasing their name and volume of subs because of it. Uh, so in the end, I think this is going to be a tough decision for Twitch. I think they leaned against gambling mainly because of all the other negatives that were resulting from it. Uh, people being scammed around it, people kind of seeing the negative effects of it. And I think that's just something with gambling in general, right? Like, I don't have the gambling hotline number in front of me. Um, but if you struggle with stuff like that, it's definitely worth talking to people. And I think while Twitch has made many questionable decisions with the bans they've given out for other content, this is one that I think they did end up trending on the right direction for personally. Yeah. And, and all in all honesty, when you take a look at just gambling in general when it comes to video games, you know, we talk about loot boxes. We talk about FIFA Ultimate Team. We talk about... Uh, you know, things that are essentially borderline gambling about how it's uh, oh, almost predatory to the young gamers out there. When you take a look at the main demographic that watches Twitch, uh, you know, there's a large chunk of viewers that are under the legal age to gamble that are on Twitch. 
Uh, there are people that, you know, are willing to spend uh, their allowance money or or if they have a job, you know, the, the little income that they have being a high school student pulling money in from working at a fast food restaurant or in the mall or wherever uh, to gamble with their favorite streamer or or just to get noticed by their their streamer by trying to participate in some of these events. Uh, you know, I, I think it's the right call. I think I think Twitch made the right call here by by banning the, the gambling uh, being shown on Twitch. Yes, it's going to hurt the content creators that do it. Uh, yes, it's it's going to cut down on the content. But let's be real here. Twitch isn't exactly hurting for content. Uh, there's there's tons of content on Twitch uh, that will never be discovered. It feels like. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I think this is just the right move. You have to protect uh, you have to protect minors. You have to protect, uh, you know, what little money they have that are then, you know, you don't want your viewers to get scammed by these personalities uh, that you have here on Twitch. I, I think it's the right call. Um, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this, like when it comes down to like the revenue cut. But I feel like on, on a very surface level, this is definitely the right call. And just to break down a few more specifics with it. So October 18th is when this policy will go into effect. And we're not talking all gambling. If you're talking fantasy football, if you're talking sports betting, and even poker, those three are going to still be allowed. So you can talk about all those all you want on Twitch. And I think one of the big reasons is, poker being the difference here, is that not you're, act, you're not actively gambling when you're doing a lot of those. Poker, again, you will be. But for fantasy football and sports betting, you might be putting some numbers in here and there, but a lot of those are more like chat shows, similar to this podcast, where they're talking about bets that they think would be good for the upcoming week, where they're talking about plays and fantasy sports that they think would be good plays for players. Uh, overall, I think that's the biggest difference. What we are seeing banned is slots, roulette, and dice games. We're talking about things where someone will just sit there and talk with their chat and just continue to spin, watching money go away and go away and go away. Uh, maybe they win here and there, but then they're asking their chat for more money and that's pulling in more subs. And, and I mean, similar to what John was saying, that kind of becomes predatory in a sense where you have so many young kids watching these streams that are under the age of 18 and then maybe end up increasing their subs to watch this person spin a wheel a little bit more. So again, that's not necessarily the case with every single streamer and nor is it the case with every single game being streamed. But overall, as a policy, I think Twitch did make the right decision here. Next up is a decision that Twitch made that I do not agree with as much. Uh, it won't really impact us and it won't impact pretty much 99% of creators on the platform. But for the top 1%, I think this is going to end up hurting Twitch quite a bit. Uh, they are switching the revenue cut for pretty much anyone who makes, I believe, over 100K. It was currently a 70-30 split in favor of the creator. Now it's going to be a 50-50 split between Twitch and the creator. Now, again, this is impacting the 1%. It's just those top-end streamers that are making over 100K from the streaming platform itself, which is a lot of money to begin with. But with that being said, we're talking not just a 5% cut, we're talking a 20% cut, which is huge for people's revenue, completely changes careers in a sense of what could happen with that. And to me, if I'm one of those top-end creators, this starts making other platforms like YouTube look a little bit more attractive. Yeah, um, this is the same, I feel like this is the same argument uh, that, we're gonna be, that we've made in the past, especially when it comes to uh, developers putting their games on like the Steam library or or the Epic Games library uh, or store, um, you know, what kind of cut do they get when their game gets sold? Uh, you know, Twitch, yes, you're providing a platform. But at the end of the day, that's all you're really doing. 
Uh, the content creation is done by the individual. Uh, and that's why they have those viewers is because the viewers have deemed that that content is worth their time to watch. And in result is worth subbing to them to get small perks like emotes in chat or uh, discord privileges on their server or whatever that streamer chooses to make. But, you know, we see streamers of, of all types, some that play one game, some that play multiple games. Uh, you know, you have streamers that have built supercomputers and create their own uh, program for several hours a day where they dance to anime music. Uh, that you know, streamers can donate and pick song that, that uh, viewers can donate and pick songs for them to do, uh, and kind of like it, it's there's so much talent and creativity on Twitch that now Twitch is going to sit here and say that if you are successful on this platform, we're going to take fifty percent because we're giving you that platform essentially uh, to to be creative and express yourself that has attracted people. They are literally punishing you for being successful. Uh, 50-50 does not make sense. 70-30, fine. I, you know, 60-40. I probably wouldn't be putting up as much of an argument with 60-40, but 50-50 to me seems ridiculous. And yes, YouTube, get ready, because you're about to have a flood of people come over your way. I mean, I really feel like that's what's going to happen. Like, if I'm a creator at that top end and I see all these deals YouTube is making... Uh, again, we hear of all these improvements. We haven't quite seen that many improvements visually from YouTube as of yet. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to someone like Courage, uh, Valkyrie, all these top name streamers that have signed with YouTube, they've been making a lot of changes on the back end. They've been giving a lot of input. So eventually we could see some of those come to fruition. Uh, with that being said, YouTube is not quite there yet either. So because of all the issues going on at Twitch with this revenue split, because YouTube still has a lot of features to add and it's been years and they still haven't been added, then we saw Mixer trend multiple times this week, uh, and it cracks me up. Like, everyone's like, oh, Mixer died too early. Mixer was great. I didn't appreciate Mixer when it was around. Uh, I mean, the thing is, right, like, Mixer did push certain things forward. Some of the stream, like the light streaming or whatever they called it, where it's like low latency streaming, that was something that really came to effect because of Mixer. The group streaming was first done on Mixer. Bits were first done on Mixer. All of these things that Mixer kind of pushed the industry forward with. But the thing that I think people still forget is it was only like 2% of the whole stream viewing audience. Like we're talking such a small percentage. Uh, YouTube was growing. We saw growth over on Twitch, obviously, and it's just a behemoth to begin with. But Mixer just really wasn't growing enough to warrant Microsoft continuing to put money into it. So I don't think we'll rev it'll ever revive. Uh, I think some people are holding out hope that it will. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Facebook Gaming is practically shutting down their stuff as well over there. Twitch is just a monster, and Twitch was that first platform out there. And YouTube, viewership-wise, I think has enough pull that it could eventually start to break into Twitch's market more and more. Their live streaming capabilities are still, uh, I would say, lackluster at most. With that being said, the video economy over there is huge. I mean, you have so many creators involved. The ad revenue is a big thing that holds YouTube up as well. So they have the ability for creators to make revenue. It's behind Google, or Google's the company behind YouTube. So there's plenty of revenue there for it to be split in different ways and to benefit creators. I would argue the same thing with Twitch and Amazon, uh, but they are kind of doing their own thing here. Uh, I do see some of this. I don't know if it's fully reversed, but I do think we're going to see a favorable 
are a more favorable split. Like you said, maybe something not quite 50-50, maybe not quite 70-30, but maybe a 60-40 or something like that that does start to favor creators a little bit more if we do start seeing some leave to YouTube. And like this is what kills me. So in their announcement, they, they put out what the email is going to say when they send this out. This is what kills me. It says, and I quote, as a streamer on these, pre- on these premium terms, you've had a vital role in helping make this service what it is today. We are grateful for the communities you have built and your impressive history on Twitch. So we've taken extra care to make this change as frictionless as possible. So yes, Twitch has admitted that yes, these streamers are helped are what helped Twitch become what it is today. Thank you for your service, thank you for your time, thank you for uh, the minutes, hours, days, years that you've put into this platform. We are now coming for your money because of it. And thank you. Please and thank you. Uh, it's it's a little nutty. Uh, you know, They'll still get the 70% up to the 100K. Once they hit the 100K uh, for subs, it's 50% of Tier 1, 60% of Tier 2, 70% of Tier 3 for the remaining period. Uh, It's calculated over a 12-month period. Uh, I would hopefully think that it's the calendar year that they're going to do it, not some crazy (laughs) fiscal year that starts in August. Um, And then they they talk about the ad incentive program and how, like, you know, revenue share is up to 55% for that. And they're like, oh, this is a great idea and everything else too. This is the way you can recuperate some of the money. I just, I don't know. It, You know, kudos to Twitch, again, helping against predatory uh, streamers that are trying to get money from their uh, viewers for gambling. But then they go out and do something like this and just kind of like, you know, this is, you know, I'm seeing two sides right now. And I'm not, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Yeah, it's definitely messy. And it does make me miss Mixer, ironically enough. Um, But it is one of those things (laughs) that uh, it's just in such a power position that I'm curious what this will actually do. I mean, even when Mixer was a thing, right? We saw Ninja. We saw Shroud. They both made the move over there. And it barely cut into Twitch's audience. You have Courage. You have Valkyrie. You have all these big names moving over to Twitch. Or, I mean, moving over to YouTube, rather. And it's cut a little bit of the viewer count here and there. But overall, it seems like at least from what we've seen data-wise, that people are more native to stay with a platform than they are inclined to go with a streamer. And I think that's one of the big things that's continued to hit, I mean, really everyone, Mixer, Facebook Gaming, YouTube to a degree, uh, it's been tough for them to grow. Now, YouTube has been cutting more and more into Twitch, so maybe we will see them continue to sign these big streamers. Um, But with that being said, the revenue split might be enough for people to start considering other platforms as well, at least at that high 1% end. Just a couple other things before we dive into esports. Things to up, come, and look at. That is games that win gold this week. We have Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope. It is set to release on October 20th, and it did go gold this week. As well as, I believe this one was last week, but it's since we recorded the podcast. Grounded, that amazing little game that took over the internet for a couple weeks. It's now getting its full release, and that is September 27th. So if you want to check out the Honey, I Shrunk Your Kids Adventure from Obsidian, again, that one does release next week and is on quite a few people's radar when it will drop. You can come bug size and do all that good old action with a lot of new content, including bosses and new things to, uh, let's just say, craft and customize as you go. Overwatch. Overwatch 2 comes out in just about two weeks, John. I think it's October 2nd or 4th or somewhere around that timeline. Uh, They have given us some drip feed of new content. We got a new hero shown last week. This week, so far at least, they've shown us a new map. 
That is Esperanca, and it is based in Portugal. Uh, again, for time's sake, we're just going to kind of keep moving through the notes, but it is one to check out. Uh, that new game mode push being one of the bigger game modes pushed, literally, uh, into Overwatch 2 to kind of bring new content to freshen things up. It's a game mode a lot of people are both, uh, let's say, excited and hesitant for. I think a lot of people just want something fresh, something different. Um, but we have seen some mixed feedback on the push game mode so far overall with the community. We'll see how that continues to play out as we get closer to launch. Last but not least, and you had a very funny voice clip that you played earlier. We don't know if it's real or not, uh, but eventually we will know what Chris Pratt's voice sounds like in the new Super, <laughs> Super Mario film. We have a teaser trailer being shown for that one October 6th at New York Comic Con. I hope it's not that tweet. That's if it is, I don't know if I'll be able to last through that movie. It might even be worse than that original Mario Brothers movie. Yikes! (laughs) And that is saying a lot, fam. Uh, Anything else to say on any of those announcements or anything when it comes to gaming this week, good sir? (laughs) No. We'll move right along then. (laughs) Next up, let's talk esports before we wrap up tonight's show. Riot revealed the Valorant franchising partners this week. This is big news. Uh, When we look at esports overall, the company that continues to do well and continues to expand their reach is Riot Games. We've seen companies like Blizzard falter, Activision with Call of Duty has left a lot to be desired, Uh, even Microsoft with Halo Infinite, their flagship. The HCS got off to a great start, but since then, the lack of content in Infinite has had that community and esports scene dwindle more and more. So overall, we've only really seen consistent success when it comes to Riot Games. So League of Legends being as huge as it is, is going to continue to be a big player in esports, but their next up-and-coming title, Valorant, the FPS game, has continued to show growth over the last couple years as well, with teams putting in hundreds of thousands of dollars to kind of make their way to the top of the table in hopes of securing one of these franchise spots. Now, John, with that being said, uh, there were quite a few big names that got left off on here. Let's go through the ones that actually did get accepted first, though. In the VCT Americas region, we had 100 Thieves, Cloud9, Evil Geniuses, Furia, Crew Esports, Leviathan, Loud, MIBR, Energy, and Sentinels. Uh, just focusing on this, John, are there any NA orgs that you're surprised did not make it in? Uh, I think the big one, and I'm going to try to take my fan hat <laughs> off, uh, that did not make it. Uh, the two big ones that come to mind, uh, Optic and TSM, are our two that, that come to mind. Uh, you know, TSM obviously wanted to be involved in this. Um, put my fan hat on. I'm glad they're not. Uh, it's one less esport title I have to worry about them in. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Optic, uh, you know, known for their shooters and, and their, uh, you know, ability to, to adapt and want to be involved in a lot of these uh, shooter-type esports as well. Uh, them not you know not making it. I think I think that was huge as well. Uh, Optic did, was doing quite well in, in HCS too. Um, so I, I don't know. It did. I was really surprised with that. Um, I guess another one. Phase Phase not making it. Uh, being a lifestyle brand of esports, it feels like. Uh, again, fan fan hat on. I'm glad Phase isn't there. Fan hat off. I think you know it may hurt the scene a little bit. Phase has that kind of pull. Uh, to bring people to esports based upon their uh, just their social media presence and their lifestyle brand. I mean, they're they've done a, a fantastic job with that, but maybe that's not what Riot's looking for. Maybe they might actually be weighing competition over 
Twitter followers. I don't know. Um, but that's another big one. But, I mean, obviously, the, the one that everyone is really talking about is G2. And, and G2 not making it. Uh, there was a lot of controversy around the reason why. Um, I think the controversy is... I, I can understand why G2 fans would be upset. Uh, I also firmly believe G2 has no one to blame but themselves uh, when it comes to it. Uh, side note for just a moment, I'm not going to be on a platform for too long. Uh, who you hang out with is a direct reflection on who you are as a person. I'll just leave it there. Uh, G2 is guilty of that, and there are consequences. This happened to be a negative consequence, and unfortunately, the G2 players... The organization uh, that was working their butts off to try to get uh, this deal uh, with uh, Valorant franchising uh, and the fans are going to be the ones that suffer because of it. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate because G2 in this scene would have been uh, really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on the big three, right? Like FaZe, Optic, and TSM are kind of the big three North American organizations. Uh, G2, again, being probably the biggest name left off here, but it's one of those hybrids, right? It's based out of Berlin, originally based out of Madrid, and they were going for an NA partnership. So they're kind of all over the map. So it is worth mentioning here in the NA section, as you did. With that being said, these are some big orgs, but I think it's even bigger to see some of the ones left off in EU. Again, G2 kind of double dipping here. But jumping into the EMEA region, we have Fnatic, we have FUT Esports, KOI, Carmine Corp, Nadas Vie or Navi is pretty much what they're known as. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Uh, we have Team Liquid, Team Vitality, Heretics, BVL Esports, and Giants Gaming from Spain. Um, overall, I think these are some big orgs that made it in, as well as some fresher orgs to the esports scene in general. But some of the ones that left off, again, we'll mention G2 up top here. But we have Ninjas in Pajamas, a huge gaming org that's been in FPS titles like CSGO for years upon years. You have Excel, another big up-and-coming team, uh, doing quite well over in the LEC for League of Legends. You have Ascend, who is arguably one of the better rosters in Europe for scenes like HCS and even Valorant in and of itself. You have Mad Lions, another team that is kind of up-and-coming in many different titles. Whether it be CSGO, whether it be League of Legends, they're one of those up-and-coming teams that has made a lot of noise. So to let in some of these other teams that have not really made as much of a resume in esports, like your Heretics. Again, Heretics has a lot of money involved, and we've seen that here and there in different esports. But they haven't really made a huge name for themselves. And then to let off some other ones, like some of these histor history behind teams like Ninjas and Pajamas, who've been around uh, not only esports, just FPS titles in general for so long, uh, it feels like the EU list is even more surprising to me. Yeah, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, it's been years, but I, I believe Ninjas and Pajamas was also in the EU LCS at one yeah. point in time. Uh, and, you know, they they were there for a while till they decided to sell their spot. Like, I, I, I get it. Like, I, I think maybe the biggest knock against Ninjas and Pajamas was the fact that they kind of downsized. Um, but at the same time, a lot of other organizations did it as well. Um, you know, I don't think Riot's holding against them that they bailed on League. But, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, the, the Ninjas in Pajamas one is is definitely head-scratching. Uh, Excel and Ascend, you know, on the up and up, I, I think that's also surprising as well that they, that they weren't in there. Um, obviously, Mad Lions is absolutely killing it in the EU. Uh, they're doing a fantastic job there. 
Uh, and I would imagine they have a good relationship with Riot that maybe should have played in their favor. Uh, but at the end of the day, money speaks. Uh, even to companies that make millions, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. Uh, and, I mean, I, I can't say for sure that that's the reason why. But, you know, you know, hindsight being 2020 and just common sense is going to sit here and tell you that there's probably a good chance that they had the money and just kind of went with it. Yeah, definitely a possibility. But overall, some big names left off of NA, some big names left off of EU. Last but not least, we will hit on the Pacific region. I'll be honest with you guys, and I think John's in the same boat. I don't follow this as closely. So some of the big name orgs I am seeing here, but again, I don't know if some of these other ones like EDG, for example, is huge in a lot of different esports, especially League of Legends. I don't see them on this list, but I don't know if they even compete in Valorant. So I can't really say too much in that front. With that being said, Detonation Gaming has made its way onto the list. DRX, Gen G, Global Esports, Paper Rex, Rex Regum Quayon, I believe. Uh, T1, Talon Esports, Team Secret, a very popular one there. And then Zeta Division, uh, who has been kind of lighting it up as of recently as well. So again, some big names here. DRX is huge uh, in a number of different titles. Gen G, obviously very popular for anyone who follows esports. T1 also quite up there and who's won a number of League of Legends championships. So I think overall, John, they've hit. I mean, South Korea is represented here. China is represented here. Uh, Detonation over in, I believe they're Japanese based, if I remember correctly, is represented here. Uh, you have some stuff from Taiwan with teams like, I believe, Paper Rex is out of there. So you have a little bit of variety all over the place. Uh, Team Secret is somewhere in Southeast Asia as well. So a number of different regions and countries represented on this list. Again, not really sure who got left off overall, but at least based on the list we're seeing, I feel like they got a healthy representation of the Asian region. Yeah, I mean, Global Esports uh, is from India, uh, which is really cool. India is is a hot spot for esports that's been up and coming over the past couple of years. Uh, I believe, was it Paper? Paper Rex. Are they Taiwan? Rex? Was I right on that? See. Uh, so they're saying Southeast Asia. So there's a good okay. chance it is, uh, but, they, but they're not going to say it uh, because, you know, Riot. They're owned <laughs> by China. Um <laughs> Detonation, let me see, uh, where was it? Uh, Detonation Gaming and Zeta Division okay. are both from Japan. So Japan has, has two teams in there too. But yeah, I mean, they, they've done a really good job at kind of bringing together that whole region into, uh, into Valorant. And I think that's really great. I love the fact that we're going to have a team from India. I love that we have multiple teams from Japan. Uh, obviously, three teams from South Korea with DRX probably being the biggest one in there with how dominant they've been over the past couple of years. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a, a really solid region and should – I mean, I think it's going to be very competitive. I don't think it's going to be like League of Legends competitive where the winner is going to constantly come out of here. But I, I feel like it's going to be more competitive than, let's say, the LCS. I had Worlds. a feeling you were going to go there, and I was hoping you weren't, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm hoping. I'm hoping I'm dreaming. It happens. We'll happen. see. I mean, Cloud9 looked pretty good in the run-up to the LCS championship. We'll see how they can continue some of that momentum that they showed in playoffs and see if they can break it over into Worlds. Uh, with that being said, Call of Duty, again, we mentioned how uh, Blizzard has made some questionable decisions when it comes to esports, um, both Blizzard and Activision, their overall company. And we've had a lot of questions for them moving forward. Uh, they started to answer some of them here with the Call of Duty announcements. We did get a look at what some of these majors will look like. 
I love the new season begin. This was a huge critique last year. They began the season in something like February last year. This year, it's beginning December 2nd. We're starting nice and early before the holiday season. Gamers are going to have the game in their hands. Uh, last year, they got the game in people's hands in November, and then they said, hey, our first major tournament's in February. A lot of that initial hype was dying down. Now, with it being in December, you're getting that initial game coming out. It's coming out late October, early November. Some people will pick it up maybe the holiday season, and you have that hype right around that same holiday window. I think that's a great move, and they're kicking it off the same place. HCS had a huge success, and that's down in Raleigh, North Carolina for that first major. Then after that, it will be going up to Boston for major number two, over to Optic Texas's home in Texas for major number three. You have New York hosting major number four, and then major number five. They have not announced as of yet where it will be. Again, that could be uh, partly due to discussions still taking place, or that could be a surprise. Maybe we see another team entering the league or something like that, or maybe just an off-site surprise location that's international. Who knows? Uh, with that being said, I love the idea that, again, we're not only getting an idea of where some of these majors are taking place, but the fact that they're starting the season so much closer to the game release I think is a big win for Call of Duty fans. Uh, major 5 is either going to be Chicago or L.A. Those oh, are my okay. Guesses. I thought you read that somewhere. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I mean, no. it's definitely a good no, chance, no, no. right? Like, L.A. hosts so many different things, and Chicago would not be a bad spot either. I mean, when you take a look at it, it's all East Coast. Now, don't get me wrong. I will never complain about esports on the East Coast because we are neglected over here. Uh, but Raleigh, Boston, New York, I mean, three out of the four announced already. East Coast, Texas. I mean, I'm not going to. There's a better chance I'd go to Boston uh, than I'd go to Texas. I want nothing to do with Texas, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would imagine the fifth major has to be out west or another. Okay, Midwest. now we know Call of Duty is more of a western game. So going through the locations again, Raleigh, Boston, Texas. Uh, I think Texas is around Dallas area, if I remember correctly. You have New York, obviously New York City. And then you mentioned L.A. and Chicago. If you had to give me one more big pog champ city to throw in here, that's not any of those that we just mentioned. Where else would you send the Call of Duty major? Hmm. Interesting. Um, that voice. Uh, what? You know what? <laughs> hmm. I, I don't know. I Sounds like a little Bert and Ernie voice. action. Um. Uh, you know what? Seattle. Oh, I like that. I like I like Seattle, Pacific Northwest, another area that gets looked overlooked quite a bit. Um, large gaming community up there as well. I, I think Seattle would be a, another great spot to to hold uh, a Call of Duty. Um, event there. Um, Minneapolis wouldn't surprise me either. Um, but I, I would like to say a, a far distant wild card, Seattle. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not going to rain on that parade. Also, a big thank you to T-Spans for all the gifted subs there. Uh, looks like five tier one gifted subs going out to a number of people in chat. Uh, so thank you for that, T-Spans. A huge thank you. Um, on top of that, John, I love Seattle. I think Seattle is a great guess. We've seen a couple events held there. Uh, the Halo World Championship in October is going to be held out in Seattle as well. They're going to do like a little Halo mini con thing as well alongside that. So I, I think Seattle's fun. I think that's a great city, and I think that could be one that, again, doesn't necessarily get a lot of esports attention overall. So I'm glad to hear it named here as a possible location if Activision's listening to us uh, for possibly a Call of Duty event either now or in the future. 
Last but not least, so obviously Valorant with the changes going on with franchising, you're going to see a lot of roster mania moves going on there as well. Uh, a number of shifts will be made with teams like Optic falling out of favor and not getting the franchising. Those players have been given the rights to start negotiating uh, with some different organizations and teams out there. We'll see how that continues on as we go along. But there is one more major event in esports coming up soon, uh, and that is HCS Orlando. I don't know if I froze there or not, um, but I'm hoping I'm back at this point. HCS Orlando is this weekend. Uh, I'm excited for this one. Again, HCS action has kind of been back and forth. The last big major that I remember was back in April with Kansas City. And then from there, it's been kind of regional majors. We had like Mexico City. Uh, I think there was one down in South America that happened. I don't remember exactly where. Um, but overall, it's not really been as exciting without that international competition. And I love the idea that we're now going to get another global major right before the World Championship in October. And this one in particular is taking place in Orlando down in Florida. We're looking at a prize pool north of $250,000 taking place September 23rd through the 25th with the top 12 teams qualifying for Worlds. If you want to see some try-hard Halo, this is the weekend that you'll get that. Everyone qualifying or trying to qualify, rather, for Worlds in October. Last but not least, there are some shiny Twitch drops involved as well. Uh, literally shiny. They're kind of diamond-cut weapon skins. So if you're interested in checking those out, they will be available. Now, John, I, I know neither one of us has kept up as much with the HCS scene as, as of late. But there have been some roster shifts. Uh, we saw Cloud9 lift the trophy in Raleigh, and since then they have made some shifts with Renegade moving over to FaZe. What are your thoughts on Cloud9's chances here with them still being a pretty strong team, but losing recent events to teams like Optic and Sentinels? It's tough. It, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, Cloud9 is still a good team. Uh, losing uh, those players, definitely a hit. Um, I, I still think they'll probably finish top five maybe top three i don't know if they're guaranteed locked to be in the grand finals though um it'll be interesting to see what happens um I, i'm hopeful i would love to see cloud nine continue their dominance here a little bit uh but i do think that uh it's going to be a little bit more competitive this go around yeah i think it's definitely going to be a tougher event for them i think optic is going to be uh, I would guess Optic and Sentinels are going to be the top two in the championship this time. I think Cloud9 will be right around that third or fourth team, if I had to guess. With that being said, the talent is there. And when it's something like this where backs are against the line to qualify for Worlds, I think there will be that extra oomph. Uh, on top of getting those matchups against those teams that you might be playing later on in the World Championship, now is the time to try strategies. Now is the time to change things up and try to uh, maybe catch teams off guard and try things that you can prep ahead of the World Championship. So I think we'll see some variation between all those top teams with that in mind. Um, lots of good stuff going on this weekend. Again, HCS Orlando, we're prepping for League of Legends Worlds in just a couple weeks. The Riot franchising stuff around Valorant continues to be exciting with all those roster moves. And again, so many games releasing this week and so many games to release here in the near future. John, are you planning on picking up any of these new games or downloading anything new on Game Pass? Uh, we mentioned all the stuff like Deathloop coming out, Beacon Pines. Uh, there's new content always being added to these other games. And then on top of that, the WoW Dragonflight stuff. We're starting to see some pre-patch stuff going on. All these sports games are dropping as well. What are you playing as of late? I'm totally not twitching with anticipation of Dragonflight, <laughs> by the way. Um, super excited for that. Uh, the pre-patch beta on the PTR has been absolutely fantastic so far. I think it looks great. Not a lot of changes going on, uh, but the UI I, I like. Uh, you don't have to have as many mods to kind of like make it a little bit more, you know, 
custom customization friendly for the user. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to see they did that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're kind of seeing some things here and there from the closed beta. We're seeing more things come out, uh, compliments of Wowhead and some other people out there uh, that are giving information in Dragonflight. So that's the one I'm definitely looking forward to. Gotham Knights, of course, is one that i uh, super excited for. I'm currently binge watching uh, Titans on HBO Max because it's freaking amazing. Uh, you know, super excited for that as well. Joey, I'll probably listen to maybe one or two of your indie recommendations Ooh. from Game Pass and give those a shot. I don't know which one or two yet. Uh, I, I will let you know as soon as I make up uh, my mind on which ones they will be. Uh, but yeah, uh, super exciting time for a lot of these games coming out here. And uh, who knows what I might dabble in with. Uh, maybe just to, just to piss off Pat, might get FIFA. Might I mean, FIFA. I think Pat will get FIFA too at some point here in the near future. Oh, I do too. He is yeah, going 100%. to give in this time. I feel it. Panicking Pat for those on Discord. Uh, ping him, mess with him, make him get FIFA, or at least tease him about not getting as yet because he will eventually give in. Uh, with that being said, I'm kind of in the same boat, John. I feel like there's just so much coming out right now. It's tough. To uh, a lot of different options out there. Uh, I think for me, I just finished Assassin's Creed Origins, the DLCs for that. Super excited to have 100%ed my first Assassin's Creed game all the way through. Uh, and A Plague Tale Requiem is one that's very high on my radar, and that's coming out here uh, about a month away at this point. I think it's October 18th is that release date. So I don't want to dive into something too, too big ahead of that because I do want to kind of keep my slate open and available for that one. But there are definitely some indie games like Beacon Pines that I do expect to check out. With that being said, I think we can wrap up today's episode. Again, if you guys haven't subscribed already, check out GamerBytes, bit.ly forward slash GamerBytes sign up. That's a weekly newsletter on the gaming news from this past week that we write up and curate for you guys. On top of that, we mentioned stuff to come out this week, whether it be new content, new games, new exciting things to look forward to. Definitely check that out. John, go ahead and cue us for that beautiful closing. Nation, that is going to do it for this edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, however, to... Oh, no, I lied. Wrong script. Before you go, make sure you follow the show here on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. Joey, after you do it for like 280 <laughs> times, it's almost like automatic. You know, it's, just, it's, it's muscle memory. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review. The Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere else you can find a podcast. Just check out your favorite podcatcher and look us up. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we'd love to hear from our community so much. There are multiple ways for you to reach out to us. Joey, what are some of those ways? Absolutely. Head on over to Twitter and find us at Level Up Live. That is LVLUP Live. In addition to that, you can follow the Umbrella Network, OTN Media, on Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media and over on Instagram at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, maybe even one of those juicy Twitch Prime subs over here on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show, Level Up Live, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, big shout out to T-Spans again for those five gifted subs. A big thank you, as always, to you and all of our followers and subscribers here on Twitch. Make sure you tune in next Thursday, September 29th, as we continue to cover the latest and greatest gaming esports news. Do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And Joey, as always, Level Up. up.